Welcome to another episode of Strangers in the Alps podcast. Oh! <laughs> it caught me off guard. I was in the middle of saying something, but I still love it, man. I like that. You got to keep it in there. So dumb. <laughs> no, it's part of our thing. I like that. Um, but uh, I think it, it not only does it catch me off guard, I think it catches other people off guard. So it's one of those fun things we can have. But uh, but yeah, uh, we talked about last episode meeting the family. So we might have a little bit of that, or we might have that as a bonus pod. Uh, we'll record, yeah. kind of see how that happens. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, we do have sad news today. We definitely have sad news today, man. Yeah, Stan Lee passed away today at the age of 95. Lived a long, magical life, to be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, uh, he passed on today. But uh, we'll talk about that for a little bit. Definitely. But, uh, you got your coffee today, man, or no? I, I definitely have my coffee today. Yeah? Do you drink, like, as a special... Uh, it's not breeds isn't the word. You don't breed coffee, but different... Uh, <laughs> what I mean, like, it's, it's a special varieties. That's, I have, that's what I'm... I have right. a purebred... Uh, what is it called? Colombian breed of coffee. <laughs> you breed uh, your coffee. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it like a fancy coffee, honestly, or is it? No, just... no. Well, I tell you what, my my mother in law um, got me along with the mug, and um, she got me uh, this kind of of coffee. It's called Odin Force. It's from the people that make Death Wish, and uh, that's kind of my fancy go to coffee. It's it's kind of a strong flavor, and and I like that. But um, honestly, to be to be real, most of the time. You know, my my wife and I, like most people in the world, now have a Keurig, and and most of the time it's just like the 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 great value brand donut shop shop <laughs> coffee, you know. Yeah, the simple cheap stuff. That's it, man. I I'm do a, love not a classy mean, broad. <laughs> you mentioned like the bold flavors and things. I do like the uh, like the smokiness, like you know, like these roasty flavors, and like yeah, you get it in coffees or or teas or beers. I love like the coffee infused beers and stuff. We'll have to do another an episode down the line, you know, where you can talk about different types of beers that we enjoy and kind of the maybe the brewing processes behind it. Because I know you've gotten into brewing beers and a few different types of drinks that that you've done at times in the past. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, for tonight though, let's uh, let's talk about Stanley a little bit. Let's do it, man. One of the things I've heard recently about Stan Lee that I wasn't into as much when, uh, obviously, when I was younger, but he was married for a long time. And uh, they were married, I think, uh, 69 years, I believe, something like that. So really yeah, kudos man. to them on, on their relationship and their marriage. But his wife, I think her name was Joan, uh, she passed away earlier this year, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, that sounds about accurate. Yeah, so, and I was I was really, you know, worried about Stan Lee because he is up there in age, and you always kind of hear about uh, when a couple's been together a long time and they're up there in age, one passes away, then the other one kind of loses their, their, their zest for life, I guess, and they kind of, you know, it's usually shortly after that they'll pass away too. 
I was his name. Let's see, his wife's name was Joan Lee, and I was trying to yep. find her um, her date of death to kind of see how long it actually was between the two of them. It, it was Be- in July. It was in July. Yeah, Ju- July of two thousand seventeen. Okay, so it was just a little over a year, I guess. Yep, a little uh, over a year. Yeah, but uh, so because of that, I kind of assumed, you know, his age and and that 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 he might, you know, be kind of. Ready to move on, I guess you could say. But uh, I, I, I just find that really sweet, though. Even though it's sad, it's kind of yeah. sweet in a way. Like, as far as my wife, I, I'm crazy about my wife. And I could totally see a situation like that happen. And hopefully we live a long, you know, happy life and have a long marriage. But sure, uh, she she really is, you know, I married the woman of my dreams. And I'm thrilled about that and thankful every day for that. And uh, I just think it's 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 nice to, you know have that much of a connection with somebody that they become not just part of your life, you know, but they become a motivation in your life as well, you know? And it's kind yeah. of the same, like with uh, Johnny Cash and June Carter, you know, like I, I think that's another uh, elderly couple that in prior years, I think there was only a matter of three or four months between their deaths. Wasn't it? Yeah. It was not a very long time. Yeah. I think one was like April or May and, Let's see, I might have it actually pulled up here. Um, let's see, was it June that passed away first, I believe? Yes. Yeah, she died in May uh, of 2003, and then Johnny Cash died in September of 2003. And yeah. it's just, this is another one of those examples that you hear about how kind of someone's motivation for living and, you know, the, once once that's out of their life, then they kind of, I don't want to say you know, wither wakes, it's not the case, but I think they just kind of maybe in a romantic sense, kind of, you know, yeah. move on to be with them and in, in whatever's after, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, my grandparents were the same way. My, uh, my grandmother passed away. Um, and, and she had, she had issues from like uncontrolled diabetes and things like that. And, um, and my grandfather passed away just a few short months afterwards. And, um, the doctor legitimately just said about my grandfather that he had lost the will to live. And, um, and so we all, I mean, we all knew why he had married his high school sweetheart and they, you know, very similar to Stanley here, uh, and, and Joan Lee, they had been married for, uh, 70 years or so. And, um, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you do? You know, yeah. I, uh, like you said, I, I can't imagine my life right now without my wife um and i can only imagine that as we you know god willing grow older and uh, and and kind of reach that that old age together like that's only gonna that bond in my mind at least is only going to become stronger you know yeah the cool thing with uh jump back to stan and his wife joan is uh he had said that he knew instantly that Joan was the one because she exactly resembled the dream woman that he grew up drawing. So there's, oh, this, there's a story. Yeah. He, he, you know, he's an artist and, and, you know, obviously comic books and, and the Marvel empire that was built that he, he created, co-created. Uh, he had been drawing like this, this person all his life. And it was basically what he saw his who was to become his wife. Like, it hit him that that's her, you know, and uh, I just that's think amazing. that's amazing. It is amazing. It's a really sweet story, and that they were married for sixty. Did I say sixty nine years? Was it something like that? Or they were together? 
nearly 70 years yeah yeah um i could be wrong on, on the on the how many years they there but yeah the gist of it is is really sweet and touching yeah man but uh not only did he have this this you know incredible love for her but he had this incredible love about his work and the characters that he crafted and uh he also had an incredible love i think for human rights and humanity and just a yeah. sense of right and wrong and i was telling henry before the podcast i really wanted to read this one thing about him um he used to have this uh stan soapbox it was like little uh editorials little opinion pieces he'd write and uh i believe were they in the comic books or am i mistaken about that um, no yeah they I, they were in the back of them i believe yeah and he he wrote one specifically um i think it was in 68 1968 and for those who don't know, a lot of the Marvel characters and, and universes like X-Men and Spider-Man, um, they, they have this struggle of, uh, of, of coming to terms with, with your individualism and, and your, your, your responsibility and, and the humanity mixed with the heroism that, that their powers give them. Yeah. And, and so there really was a really human struggle and a lot of it was a metaphor especially like with x-men uh with with racism and segregation and things and people who are part of a society part of a society being able to be accepted within that society and not not to get like very political and preachy or anything but i just i I think that's always been a struggle throughout history you know no matter where you go yeah oh yeah and uh and for this man to create this metaphor in such a lasting way. I mean, this has lasted for, you know, like I said, he wrote this in 68 that I'm about to read. So he says, let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater. One who hates blindly, fanatically, indiscriminately. If his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity and with equal venom. Now, we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another, but Although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if man is ever to be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then and only then will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. And that was his, his piece. And uh, yeah, that's really good, man. It is. It's really good. And I don't, I'm not particularly religious. So for him to wrap it up, you know, with him saying, you know, God who calls us all his children. I'm I'm not offended by that. I buy into this concept hundred percent, you know, for him to call out, uh, condemning an entire race, an entire gender, an entire nation, an entire religion, no matter what it is, it's the absolute truth. You can't do that based on isolated incidences. 
Sure. And and I have just the mo- utmost respect for this man, especially in the 60s, putting the sentiment out there when there's there's been a, a struggle, a constant struggle. It was, it was I mean, even back then, yeah. it was very strong, but it still continues today. And it's it's amazing that that piece that he wrote, in, in all honesty, is as relevant today as it was back then. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, and, certainly. I, I mean, I think it's a sentiment that is um, that's that kind of transcends time. But um, but I, I I certainly I mean, just thinking about somebody taking that stand publicly in the 60s, um, it, it shows a tremendous amount of moral courage. Um, the 60s were the not. Courage. If I could just interject, the courage that a yeah. superhero possesses, to be honest. I mean, to me, Stan Lee, yeah. this type of, of character is a superhero. Well, he put it all on the line, man. You know, when, when you really think about the climate uh, politically and socially of the 60s, um, I mean, he really, you know, put the put the reputation of his company on the line to stand up for what was right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's inspiring. It is. And it, it's also, it, it shows you a little window into, into his character and his soul or, or whatever you want to say, but just how in tune he was to the human race and to what drives us to be able to be that on point with that. And then to create all these stories and all these characters that had these struggles that revolved around that. And that us as a society, as a whole could, could relate to that so much and then have that product be so successful. Yeah, man. I mean, just, just what an incredible businessman, what an incredible, you know, person and what an incredible imagination this guy had. And I would just like to say thank you because to him, because so many of his creations fueled yeah. so much of my childhood and even so much of my adulthood now. So he's just, you know, that whole empire is incredible. I, listen, I, I agree, man. I'm not a judger. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I've always thought it was weird how we do this thing socially where um, we all get upset and, and sad and and really affected by celebrities passing away that, you know, we've never really met, that we've only really known through their characters. And that to me, that's just something that personally I've never I've never related to. But when it comes to Stan Lee, like you said, um, I, I've never met this gentleman, but so much of my childhood and who I wanted to become as a, um, as a man came from his creations. Um, and, you know, not to get super emotional with it, but, you know, I, I came from a broken home and, and my father uh, left when he was, uh, when I was quite young, I was only eight. And so really early on, I learned to find those qualities in men that maybe I should have learned from a father. Um, I learned to find them uh, in the characters in his comic books. So for me, this is the first time that a celebrity has passed away that I really do feel affected. Um, And I know that I'm not. I'm not an atypical story. I know that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of stories just like mine uh, across the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, 
not just and i mean that's that's very touching what you're saying and you know like you said that that's held a lot of weight and been very important in a lot of lives um i was just gonna say as far as touching people's lives in another way i mean when i was a kid all i wanted to do was draw comic books uh and i wanted to be a comic book illustrator penciler inker anything i could do yeah i've never done that but i did have a group of friends back in the day um and I'm, you know, still loosely friends with them today and I've caught up with them recently, some of them. And it's, it's been really pleasant and happy times and everything. I'm really glad that, that I have. But uh, we would all draw pictures together and draw comics together and, you know, have long conversations about the characters and the storylines. And Yeah, know, man. We would collaborate on things and we all wanted to be comic book characters. Well, here we are in our 30s and we're catching up and... There's a couple of us that are graphic designers, you know, because we're we always had a penchant for the arts and, and sure. things like that. And then there's a couple of them that have actually gone on and have built their careers working for Marvel, penciling and inking comic books for them. That's amazing. And it is, and uh, it's just the fact that, I, like you're saying, like it's it's touched you in a way. His life has touched you, and his achievements have touched you. You know, growing up and and influenced you and it was able to do this in the sense of like kind of uh paternal roles for you and it's done it in the sense of like a career and a way of life and following dreams for other people that i know personally yeah and it's just it's, that's just an amazing thing to even in the slightest touch to be able to have an influence on that many people's lives and you know here we are two people and we're able to, to come up with a handful of ways that he he influenced our lives and just the millions of people that are out there today you know in some fashions some way some form whether it was bringing a smile to someone's face when they were a kid or giving them some escapism or giving them someone to look up to and a role model that sure to, to be able to have that impact and that legacy that's just an amazing thing to me yeah i i 100 agree it's um it's a rare thing, man, for somebody to have positively affected so many people um, and to have lived such a long and full life, man. He he really did it, man. You know what yeah. I mean? He, yeah. He really did it. Well, good for him. You know, he'll be missed. I don't yeah. want to dwell on this too long and make it too too emotional and too much of a tribute. But, you know, we salute you, Stan Lee, and uh, you will live on in our hearts and imaginations. So thank you. Yeah, undoubtedly. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on from that, what else is going on, man? <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you about a segue right now. Yeah. I sat down yesterday. I'm not entirely proud of this, but I'm I'm putting it out there. This is confession time for me. I sat down yesterday during breakfast, and I said, you know, I hadn't had a chance to watch uh, Daredevil season three um, on Netflix. Oh, we binged that uh, over the past week or so. Yeah, I'm dude. Curious I, to see your take on it. I binged it in one day. Yeah, and uh, I, dude, I could not. I just couldn't stop, dude. Um, I, it may be, and I'd have to go back and look. And season two had the Punisher in it, and the Punisher is one of my absolute favorite characters. So it'd be hard to beat that, but um, but. Man, season three was really good. It was. Daredevil as a whole, the whole show has been amazing. So good. I loved it. And the fight scenes and choreography that go into it, 
have been like the highest standard. It's you just can't say I agree. good stuff about it. I agree. What's weird is, and one of the things I love about the choreography, man, is that they really managed to capture the nuance of his fighting. So clearly the kid grew up around uh, boxing. You know what I mean? Matt, Matt Murdock, the character Daredevil, he grew up around boxing. His dad was a boxer. Um, boxing played so much of his life, but he, he goes on and, you know, and, and learns all these kind of crazy martial arts and somehow and you know it's hard to translate that in the comics but somehow in the in in the in the show they've managed to capture this guy who throws punches just like a boxer who moves sometimes just like a boxer and then like fluidly moves into you know um you know these kind of judo throws or you know more flashy kind of kicks for the camera and i dude i think it's awesome yeah i agree i think like i said i just i love everything about that show now what i am curious about is because we had a group of shows that came on netflix together uh, yeah you you had daredevil you have jessica jones you have luke cage you have iron fist you have the defenders yeah uh, and i know i'm missing one there which one am i missing uh you said Daredevil, you said Luke Jessica Cage. Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. And those are Defenders. those are all the ones that are included in the Defenders, but then there's the Punisher as well. Punisher, that's the one. Yeah, because they brought that in after Daredevil Season 2. Uh, yep. Am I right on that? Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, but uh, uh, Daredevil and the Punisher are both so good. Amazing. I liked Luke Cage. Honestly, I didn't watch the second season yet. I don't know why. I've started to watch it, but I just got into other things. Uh, we watched Jessica Jones religiously. The yep. Defenders, they're not making more Defenders. That was it. There was just a like, kind of a small run there. Yeah. But uh, they recently canceled Luke Cage, and they canceled Iron Fist. And I was just curious what your thoughts are on that, seeing as, you know, we grew up up. You know, we grew up with these characters and comic books and things. Yeah, and we loved the shows and stuff. And just why did they do that? I actually really enjoyed Iron Fist season two. Um, I, so I was never a huge fan of the Iron Fist character as a whole. Um, and I, I'm gonna go a step further and say, for me, I think, I think the cast was wrong with yeah. Iron Fist. Um. I just was not a fan of the uh, of the actor who they got to play Iron Fist and um but as far as Luke Cage goes that show is great. Yeah. And I'm not sure what you know why it didn't get the ratings. Now I I, I don't think it's on the same level of good as Daredevil or The Punisher but I never I mean I really liked it. I did too. And I heard that because Disney is going to start their own streaming service. And since they basically have bought Marvel, um, yeah. that there's kind of this thing that's up in the air. Are they canceling these Netflix shows? So they're going to have their own properties on their own streaming network? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to reboot them? Kind of, you know, what the, what the deal is. Uh, I would say if they're going to reboot these things, I don't know if I'd be on board with watching them. I, you know, yeah, it's just no. so fresh and so soon. Yeah. I, go ahead. I was just saying, um, but I also heard that 
and this is just through internet research. I, I don't have like a secret in on any of this, but sure. Uh, I've heard that Tom Hiddleston and Loki, that there might be like a streaming show or streaming movie that they're doing with him on the Disney streaming service. I actually heard something about that as well. And, uh, which I love, I love Tom Hiddleston and, uh, sure. And some of the other characters from Avengers that they were going to do kind of these like standalone type of things, which if they could get these, the movie actors to do this, I think that's incredible. I mean, cause if you think about it, I mean, it's, there's kind of been a, fl- a flip in the recent decade, I would say, like with Breaking Bad and, you know, The Walking Dead and stuff like that, where uh, digesting all this content and these long form serial shows that can be dark and gritty and yeah and serious, it's kind of replaced like the dark, gritty movie that you only get two hours of, you know? Right. And it's almost like this long form novel now that that's played out in front of you, which I think is great. Um, for sure. But, uh, it, even, even, even so there's, I still feel like there are shows that can lose their way and meander a bit instead of, you know, cause they're, they're, they're trying to stretch it out maybe a little too far. And, uh, but, but if they do it right and they bring these characters to life in these long drawn out, long form episodic things, almost like a comic book, you know, not just a two hour movie, then how cool is that? It's going to be a live action comic book, but the characters that are already established and that, you know. Yeah, I mean, part of me hopes at least that it's going to be really great, but a bigger part of me is a little bit skeptical, man. I'm not going to lie. First of all, I'll say Disney will be absolutely foolish if they change what's going on, at least with the Daredevil and the Punisher shows. Yeah, Um, I I agree with you there for sure, because I think they're gems on Netflix right now. Absolutely, and and they're casted perfectly. Um, Yeah. John, John Bernthal is oh the Punisher, my god, man. without a doubt, man. That man is Frank Castle, and and John Bernthal. If you're listening, I would love marry, you, man. I would marry <laughs> you tomorrow, my dude. Oh, yeah, man. Um, so good. Uh, I think that they would be foolish, and and I, I would. I, what what I'm really afraid of, especially when you start talking about like a Loki style TV show, is, um. You know, one of the things that I I love about the the Punisher and the Daredevil series is that they really capture the grittiness, like you said, the the dark and grittiness of the of the comics. Um, and that I mean, the same is actually true with with Luke Cage and with Jessica Jones as well. Um, I don't know what a Loki show is going to look like. And I don't know when, if you start kind of poaching these characters and making shows with them. And I it, listen, I, I really enjoy like the Avengers mo- movies and things like that. I just don't know how well they'll, they will translate to a long form show. That's uh, a fair point. You know, it, it, just because there's so much w- that they do. Like when you look at like Daredevil and the Punisher, there's so much that they do with the with the drama and the storyline and. Um, and all these like twists and, and turns and it's deep and it's drama, you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yeah. And I just don't know if that would, if that's going to translate well with some of these other characters. Yeah. I, I, I get your point. I understand that. Like, but I was saying if it's done right, like they really have yes. to, 
not skimp in any any means of storytelling when it comes to this you know yeah no i agree yeah what i find weird is that uh i guess i'll throw out a spoiler alert here with the walking dead if you're a walking dead fan and you haven't caught up then uh you know you might want to turn this off or turn away for a few minutes (laughs) but uh but i feel like the last couple seasons have kind of you know i'm not jumping on the bandwagon of hate i'm just saying like I haven't been quite as into it because the storylines have been a little iffy for me, you know, the way that they've been told and, and stuff. Um, but uh, apparently now they had Rick Grimes last episode. And it, this is the first time I've seen this happen where they, they, they take a character off of a show that's, and then they're going to make a trilogy of TV movies of that character. Have you heard of this? I have not, but my knee-jerk reaction here is that I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's... I mean, I love the way the actor uh, has portrayed that character. And, you know, he's a wonderful actor. Um, and it's nothing against against him, but I just sure. I don't understand how that is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with The Walking Dead, uh, their ratings have been in a decline, uh, from everything that I've read online, and yeah, so I don't understand how with with something being on the decline like that, how they're going to suddenly fund a trilogy of movies because it seems like with television, once something starts declining, that's when funds and money and stuff starts getting pulled away from that particular product, not just The Walking yeah. Dead. I'm just saying in general. Yeah, you know, I think I think maybe what happens is, and I mean, let's give it up for Walking Dead. First of all, the yeah. show has been great for years. And oh, what, it's amazing. What, yeah. season, what season are they on now? Like 10? It's about eight or nine or something like that. Is it eight or nine? Either way, I mean, that that's a wildly successful show, even if this was to be the last season. Um, I mean, that's that's just a very successful run, in my opinion. Well, the season is continuing on, and they're going to have further seasons, but they just took the main character off. and Right. Yeah. So I think what happens is, especially when you're talking about like a post-apocalyptic sort of thing, you kind of run out of ways to tell it. You know, I mean, that just is what it is. Like, it's it's the same story over and over again. Like, oh, we got this, like new kind of civilization we're going to set up. Everything is going to be good. Oh, there's some kind of, you know, enemy that's not quite the pressing enemy of the zombies. We have to fight that. And somehow all the civilization goes to shit. And now we're starting over and it, it just kind of washes and washes. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, rinse, rinse and repeat, if you will. And, um, now are you a fan of the show? Do you watch the show? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not all the way caught up, to be honest with you. Um, I I have been a fan of the show for sure, um, without a doubt. But I I think that they, if I had to kind of hypothesize on what's going on in the studio, I would think that they believe that ratings are in decline because there's just not a fresh way to tell the story. And somebody has come up with the idea that if they make this kind of trilogy uh, with Rick's character, that it it will be a fresh way to tell the story. Yeah. I just don't – I don't see it happening personally. Yeah. Well, it will be interesting to see how it goes. I mean I'll give it a shot. I, You know, I have enjoyed the show. Sure. I actually – I got into the comics a long time ago and uh, – Yeah. I think I, I hopped into the comics when they were just coming out with like issue – 
35 or 30 or something like that. And so um, I, I could kick myself because I had the opportunity. I had I'd gotten out of comics for a while and then I got back into it around the time, like I said, around issue 30 of Walking Dead. Sure. So I, I wanted to catch up and I had the opportunity. I could have bought like all of the comics, like issue one through like issue 30 for like 50 bucks or something. There were several, oh, wow. several different auctions at the time because, you know, it, it was out there and people were reading it, but it wasn't a TV show. It wasn't widely known. Right. I just happened to find, stumble across it and I loved it. And, uh, and I was like, you know what, I'll just buy the trade paperbacks and, you know, I, I, I've, I've done the collecting thing and I don't really get back into it because it's all the Damn money in this case. Yeah. And now those issues are going for thousands of dollars, you know, and I would have had them. I have every comic book I ever bought when I was younger, but the problem with it was, is it was the nineties and it was oversaturation and the collector's yes. market was, it was a thing. And yes. So toys and comic books and everything was being produced in this mass number so they could sell it, but they were selling it and marketing it as, oh, this is a limited edition and this is a variant and this is whatever. So everybody had them. What made the original collectible comic books and collectible toys uh, worth money and, 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 and valuable was the fact that they weren't marketed like that. Right. They were, right. They were a run of toys and a run of comic books and things that just were what they were. And most people that bought them ended up throwing them away or losing them or the parents tossed them or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Same same type of thing that I passed up on, on being able to buy all those issues because I'll just get the trade paperbacks. No big deal, blah, 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 blah. And now, man, that's sure. like thousands of dollars that I basically just threw away that I could have had. <laughs> Damn, but, dude. <laughs> I know, I know. It's... uh. Listen, a few years back, man, I oh, I was so upset about this, and um, I uh, I was with a buddy of mine who's also a, a, a big comic book fan, and we were kind of looking up, you know, how much you know different comics were worth, and and what were kind of the high end comics at the time, and and, and whatever, and um, there were there was one of the original run of Ninja Turtles. And it was, uh, and it was going the the suggested price. It doesn't mean you're going to get it clearly, but, um, but it was priced at like thirty two thousand dollars. Oh my god! And I have a very decent amount of the original run of Ninja Black and White comics. Oh wow! Um, and I. I remember I, I called my wife like right away and, and I told her that she had to, you know, go, go into the closet and up in this box and you know what I mean? And, yeah. and look, look through, I need to know what issues I have. I'm looking for, and, and, and I don't entirely remember. So don't, don't crucify me on this guys out in, out in the, the internet land. <laughs> I, I want, I want to say it was like, it was uh issue 13 mm-hmm. and I had, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 14. What happened to 13? Dude, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you, your, your wife might have took it and sold it. and Oh, we don't have it. <laughs> Listen, I don't put it past her. She probably did. She put that up for auction and never told me about it. That's it. 
Nah, I'm just joking. She's a good woman. She wouldn't do that to you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I mean, clearly, I mean, there's a reason that it's worth so much money, and I'm certain that I that I probably didn't even have the you know the original issue 13. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't lose it, you know. But it might not have even been 13. You were saying you're just throwing that number. Yeah, out yeah, there. yeah, yeah. That, yeah, the number's arbitrary. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, um, yeah. You know what? Um, you can beat yourself up about that. You know, I. I was the same way when I found out about how how valuable the Walking Dead comics were. But you can't get mad at, or at least in my case, I never owned it, so I can't get mad at myself about it. And I think that sounds like your case too. It's just we, I'm happy that something that I loved so much, you know, took off, and a lot of people got the same enjoyment out of it that I did. And sure, you know, if that's an altruistic way of looking at it, you know, and then that's cool with me you know i'm just i'm 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 just happy that so many people find joy in the same stuff i have so oh yeah well let me tell you one that hurts a little bit more than yeah sure let's hear it um years ago i i was probably um if i had to guess i would say i was in fifth grade yeah and uh, you know, again, my mom might listen to this and she'll remember this cause she, she really gave me a hard time for it, but she was at some like, uh, like thrift store and mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what she was chopping for, you know, I mean, I probably, you know, her and my sister were just going around thrifting, if you will, you know? Sure. And, uh, I was bored. I was young. I didn't want to be there, but I was, you know? And um, in this one particular thrift store, this lady said, hey, I have a bunch of comic books that you're welcome to look at. You know, they're for sale, you know, 25 cents an issue. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, I jumped on it. I would have stayed there all day. They, I mean, she had in, these enormous boxes just full of of old issues of everything you could think of. And most of them were in just terrible shape. You know, I, I mean, you can probably picture exactly the kind of box I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, nothing in sleeves. And I'm sitting there having a nervous breakdown looking at some of these, you know, some of these issues that were just, you know, torn to bits because they weren't putting sleeves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, um, believe it or not, man, I I found the seventh issue of Superman in one of those boxes. What? Did you get I, it? I shit you not. I did. And what was funny is, is I tried to tell her that it was the seventh issue of Superman. Yeah. And um, and that it was probably worth a lot of money. Now, this is before, you know, the, the Internet or anything like that and what have you. Um, but I bought it and I was, you know, and it was not. Listen, if I had to guess right now, the, the seventh issue of Superman probably goes for twelve hundred bucks. You know what I mean? I can look it, it up while you're telling. Let's see. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't in, in great condition. It wasn't super torn to shreds, but, I mean, it was the seventh issue of Superman, you know? Yeah. And uh, and so, I, you know, I bought it, and I was thrilled about it. I, I, you know, put it in a sleeve, and I, you know, I was going to put it on display in my room. And, um, and I decided, because I was young and stupid, that I was going to take it to school and show my friends. Yeah. And by the end of the day, one of those little fuckers stole it out of my backpack. Oh, fucker. And I uh, I never saw it again. Oh, man. So for, I'm sorry. 
that, that, <laughs> yeah, that one hurt, man. Well, uh, I can tell you right now, this might make it sting a little more. Fair market value calculated in November yeah. 2018. The very lowest score, which is half a point grade, is $350. The point the 5.0 score which is the halfway mark is two thousand dollars okay um 9.8 which is a fair market value of you know or, or, or a grading of near perfect the fair market value is thirty thousand dollars okay so yeah. that's Listen, uh there's still a chunk I, of change there no matter which way you look at it at, at this point i probably judging from how i remember the comic looking um, at this point, I would say I probably would have been looking at, um, at $350. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would have been looking at the lowest, but yeah, yeah dude, I, I mean, I still, I, I still remember what the cover looked like. Um, you know, vaguely, I think he was like, uh, he was like flying around with some airplanes and things, but um, yeah. do you, uh, but- do you remember what your first comic book was? What got you going? You know, I really don't. And that's sad, man. I I, I can't. For the life of me. And I've, I've sat down and actually tried to think about this before. I For the life of me, I cannot remember my very first comic book. I, I remember being a, a pretty big Batman fan when I was mm-hmm. younger. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, Spider-Man was a a pretty early on guy for me and, uh, yeah, but I, 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 I can't remember what the first one was now. Yeah. I, uh, I want to say mine was an issue of GI Joe cause I was so into GI Joe when I was young. Nice. Nice. And, uh, from then the, it was GI Joe and then the other really early one I can remember, uh, I got into the Uncanny X-Men, and it was like the first sure. issue of that when they rebooted them. And uh, But I'm sure there were ones before then. I don't think that was necessarily my first one. Um, but I loved, like, Wolverine was my favorite character. So anything nice, Wolverine, yeah. I was all into. Um, but yeah, I, I ran the gamut. I would try anything and everything. And uh, I would... Pun, I, pun intended. <laughs> I guess. And uh, what gambit. What, <laughs> the gamut g-a-m-u-t yeah i was uh, trying to make a joke it didn't uh, i'm sorry man <laughs> you're running my joke game sometimes i get marble mouth so i'm not <laughs> sure if i misspoke or you know if it was just a bad joke but uh, it was just a ter- <laughs> terrible joke <laughs> i'm sorry but uh but yeah I would, I would go to the bookstores and get those and i would also get i don't know if you remember wizard magazine yeah I would buy the Wizard magazines, and they had the like the the uh, price guides in the back. And I remember they had uh, every issue. They had a casting call, and it was if they because back you got to remember the guys out there that maybe are a little younger than us. They didn't. They had a few comic book movies back in the day, but they were horrible. Yeah. They were awful movies. They're not anything like the Avengers and, and things were today. Um, but. Uh, but they would have these casting calls of like, oh, if they're going to make an X-Men movie, you know, yes. this is who we would cast. And they would have like a little little picture of the actor and then a picture yes. of the character and a little bio. And uh, I remember like me and my friends, the ones I had mentioned earlier, like we would sit around and 
we would we would uh, go through the casting calls and we would agree or disagree with who they were casting or we would come yep. up with our own casting calls as far as well what actor would be better for for Magneto in this role and but uh but man yeah I just I loved all that stuff and, and I, I just still so remember fun. I still remember one of those casting calls um the, I I can't remember the actor's name but he was Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell oh Mark Paul Gosselar yeah they put him as Human Torch him. I guess yeah, yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's for some reason that yeah. that one sticks out in my mind. I remember looking at that and be like, "Yeah, man, that'd be awesome." <laughs> I remember Rutger Hauer they had as Magneto, like a okay. young Rutger and he would have killed it, dude. Yeah, oh yeah, that would have been an awesome casting choice. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think I I also remember um, I think they had Dolph Lundgren as Colossus, you know the the big okay. metal guy. Yeah, he, and, I mean, he played the Punisher. And I think they had Jean-Claude Van Damme as Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> Which harkens back to our first episode, talking about yes. the Van Damme. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if like, that would have been a good choice. but I think um, it would have been fantastic. Yeah, it, w- it would have been entertaining, to say the least. But. Well, you know what would have happened? He would have been throwing his cards, and then he would have done this, like, the, the jump and spin kick with the different cut shots of it. Well, before he threw the cards, he would have said, "You killed my brother. You killed. <laughs> <laughs> this is for my brother." <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Um, how do I say this? Back in the early '90s, do you remember? Yeah. Back in the early '90s, they made a Van Damme movie. I believe it was called Hard Target, and he played this like French Louisiana Bayou backwoods type of guy. That was taking out all these criminals. Like I, I don't know if they were like drug smugglers or whatnot. But this was the decline. This is where I started to fall off the Van Damme bandwagon because they put them in. They had jeans and then a shirt tucked into the jeans. That was a de- blue denim shirt, blue denim jeans, and the sleeves were torn off of the shirt, I believe. So they, you know, of course, so you can show his muscles. Of course. And then he, he had a spiked. It was like a kind of like a spiky type of hair with a big curly mullet in the back, and uh, I and do not recall this movie, man. <laughs> and there was this scene in the movie; he was like escorting this woman through the swamps, and I guess this rattlesnake was like creeping around, gonna bite her, and he grabs the snake really fast, and you know, surprises her. Yeah, and he yeah, reaches yeah. beside her face, and he grabs the snake. And the snake's like, you know, it's it's arched back and it's got its fangs ready to strike her. And he's holding the snake and he punches the snake in the face and knocks the snake out. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I'm I I I swear this was in the movie. You know? And and that was kind of I think the beginning of the end for me for John Claude Van Damme because I just felt like his characters that he played kind of jump the shark at that moment you know dude, dude i'm looking up pictures from this movie right now and that is possibly the most epic mullet of the 90s my dude oh yes you see it right there yeah target snake punch and see if that comes up hard target hard target snake punch is that showing up i don't know but that's oh, the best there is there's a there's a clip of it if you type that in it for any of your listeners, if you type in hard target snake punch in Google and go to Google videos, there's clips of it online. Van Damme knocks the snake out. Oh my god, dude. 
Who punches out a rattlesnake? Jean-Claude Van Damme, that's who. That's who. <laughs> That is ridiculous, man. It is. It's very ridiculous. He, um, man, he was in. I don't know where exactly they fell, but you know, he was in the the that Street Fighter movie where he played Guile, and that was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, he was in that movie with Dennis Rodman. Was that Double Team? Double Team. That's what it was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, dude. Like that was a a weird movie. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm watching the clip right now. I don't know if the sound is coming through or not. No, that's all right. That is just absolutely horrible. Yeah, dude. I know. We have to put this on our Facebook or something. It's it's so sad. It even shows the snake after he he belts it on the head with his fist. Like, the snake slowly just, like, curls over. And, you know, it's in this this pitiful sense of, you know, being defeated. He just curls over in his hand and it's gone. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Yep. Dude, yeah. yeah, listen, I and maybe it was movies like this with scenes like that, but um, you know, at some point we started looking at these movies going cuz you know, we talked about it, right? Like we we go from Chuck Norris biting the head off of a rat and thinking, "Man, that dude is a badass." <laughs> yeah, at some point, and maybe it was just us you know, getting older, but we started looking at these movies and going, what the fuck, dude? You know what I mean? So like, that raises the question, though. Is is Van Damme's uh, rattlesnake knockout punch, is that the equiv- It was was that his missing in action moment? No. You know, Chuck Norris, is that where we were supposed to look at Van Damme and think, oh, don't fuck with that guy, just like I said about <laughs> Chuck Norris? <laughs> I mean, okay, so maybe we were supposed to, but it did not it did, did not come across. Come across dude. They didn't sell it very well, did they? No, dude, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. oh man, it's so bad, dude. Yeah, we should we should link that video. We should find one that's uh, that's on YouTube and link it up so people can see that. Absolutely, Jean Claude Van Damme all denimed up. Yeah, denim Van Damme. <laughs> denim Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's All a right. John Woo film. Is it? It's a John Woo film. Oh, man. Oh, well. I guess they <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> what else has John Woo done? I know he's done some good stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, dude. Like, wasn't he like Romeo Must Die? Like, that was okay, right? Like, it face off. <laughs> the, the Nicolas Cage and John Travolta movie face off. First of all, don't hate on that movie. <laughs> why do as soon as I say face off, why do you think I'm hating on it? <laughs> well, touche. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, did you like that movie? Back in the day, I did. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I think yeah. looking back on it, it's just a little goofy. How? Yeah. How? Uh, how does it? Um, how does it read nowadays? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, dude, I, yeah, because I don't know, man. I used to, I used to like old Nicolas Cage, and um, uh, yeah, like back in the late '90s, there he was pumping out some movies, and they were yeah. all you know kind of cool summer blockbuster movies: The Rock, Con Air, Gone in sixty seconds, uh, Face Off. 
you know, all these all these movies came out around the same time, I think, or in the same era. Yeah. yeah. John Woo did Broken Arrow. I I know I liked that movie when I was younger. Again, I don't I don't know if it holds up, but yeah, I think that's the last thing I saw Christian Slater in until uh, yeah. he showed up on Mr. Robot. Yeah. And that was 96. Broken Air was in 1996, so. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, he has a, John Woo has a fairly impressive, you know, filmography here as director. Yeah, he does. I'll give it to him. I mean, he's still directing. He's got a movie filming and one that's in pre-production according to IMDb right now. So good for him, man. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I got another message today from somebody saying who listened to our, who have listened to the podcast that we have up already. And, um, and they kind of jokingly sent me a message saying, Hey, are we going to get that flat earth episode? I would be down if you are. I mean, I'm not so much, into the flat earth conspiracies uh but that doesn't mean i don't won't talk about them or, or you know give them a fair shake and conversation to you know to to discuss with you but if right. you want to do it let's we can try to do that one all right so let's let's set it up man let's do it like this yeah let's um if you're down let's do kind of a little something different we'll do kind of a debate format and I'll take the side of the flat earthers, and you take the side of science, um, <laughs> and uh, and we'll see if we can't find some answers. All right, sure, let's do it, man. We'll uh, we'll try to bring everybody that flat Earth episode they're asking for. <laughs> Should be ladies and yes. gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll convince myself to be a flat earther. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll convince you. I don't think you'll convince me, but we'll uh, we'll give it a shot. We'll see. We'll okay. see what you have to say about it. We'll see what's up. So, are you going to be upset if I just come out and say, "Well, the Earth's round," and then that's the end of my discussion? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be like a ten-minute podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even shorter than that. <laughs> oh man, listen. My goal is to convince both of us that the Earth is flat. Uh, good luck, man. <laughs> you might be, <laughs> you might be able to outspar me verbally, you know, but uh, uh, you're not gonna convince me. It's a conspiracy, bro. <laughs> Why did you get closer on the mic for that? Is it supposed to be more? I don't know. It's supposed to be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll try to do that next uh, next episode, and we'll just have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Hey! One, two, three, four!